There's so many salespeople out there that are good salespeople, that are good with people, and they need a little coaching, a little guidance. You can definitely make more money selling cars than you can any other product. And then if you're selling cars and you're watching because you're listening to Mitch here, uh, you can definitely make more money selling real estate than you can cars. So it's a natural progression. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 131 of KT Confidential. I'm here with my regular Ariel. Thanks for joining. And Your regular Ariel. My regular Ariel, opposed to the irregular Ariel. Right. And today we've got the privilege of the company of Mitch James from the MJ Way. What's up, Mitch? Gentlemen, thanks for having me. This has been awesome. And uh, it's been a pleasure watching you too. So to be here live is going to be enjoyable. Oh, it's nice to hear. I've enjoyed watching uh, many of your posts lately, specifically on LinkedIn too. I find it's uh, quite valuable content. I think you're going to, if you haven't already, I think I imagine you're going to have a pretty good uh, um, group of people following you. I appreciate that. I purged the non-essential people and uh, have the right people following me now, gaining some traction slowly. That's good. I, I want to take a step back for those of you listening. We actually started the podcast and we're about a minute and a half in and we realized we weren't recording. So we yeah. had to start again. But uh, Mitch was going to stroke us a little bit because he said he had to pay some homage to uh, to the two of us. So uh, let him speak his piece because, uh, you know, go he, figure. Uh, you, that's all you wanted to hear. <laughs> well, you know, when you said that when you honestly, said. Uh, when when you said Adrian that uh, uh, you know it kind of dates back to our automotive days, I take great pride in uh, seeing past colleagues, uh, whoever they are, and we've got a lot of past colleagues that have gone on to to big, great, successful careers, whether it's in the automotive industry and or wherever. But people that you and I have worked with alongside specifically and trained specifically uh, have gone on to be great people in the sales world, right? Like in, in selling stuff, whatever that stuff might be. And uh, I've, I've seen that James, uh, that Mitch has gone on to, um, uh, you know, be a, a sales manager and a general sales manager and now starting his own business and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of people like that, that uh, can start from kind of like we did, right? Start from nothing and, and work your ass off to build something. Uh, but obviously, I had mentors along the way, and everybody needs mentors along the way. So nice to if give. I may, if I may speak on that, yourself in particular, Ariel, uh, I can remember you sitting on a car door in the window frame telling me about the hinges on it. And uh, that really spoke to me and it stuck out because no other mentor or manager took the time to train his subordinates. Um, you really stood out. And I've been around the block now to know the experience that was offered. And it is appreciative. And that's where it stemmed, truly. Funny you mentioned that, Mitch, because... I can picture those those moments. You Well, you've been through those moments. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, when when I brought new people to the organization, salespeople specifically, to, to train on how to sell a vehicle, nobody was really talking about 
value proposition to and and you and I, Adrian, chatted in our industry this morning about how do you bring value to your customers. It was all about selling, and it was all about asking the right open-ended questions or either-or questions and very strategic uh, lines on how to basically pull the wool over somebody's eyes to magically get them to buy this car. And meanwhile, you think, well, selling Toyotas as an example, Toyota is a very, very well-built vehicle. And you are paying a little bit more for those vehicles. And there is a reason why. And nobody was showing the why and you know how they build it why they build it that way and at the end of the day you know how is that better for you mr customer what is it doing for you and there were so many little things like literally putting my ass in the window frame of the car door and sitting on it with the door open and showing how strong the hinges were in that door and literally swinging on that door back and forth. And, you know, when you have that kind of an example and the person is standing next to you and they're seeing 150 to 200 pounds swinging on that door and no other salesperson in the industry is doing that kind of presentation, it leaves an impact. And, and then, so you have the impact, you have the value, and then you have somebody that, you know, wants to open up and, and uh, ask you questions and, and be a little yeah. bit more engaged. Well, know? it was an interesting time that we, when we got into the, ind- the automotive industry, which is now nearing, I think 20 years ago. And I think that was an interesting time to be getting into a sales um, position specifically but even more so specifically in the automotive industry, because the whole concept of how to sell was changing because consumers with the uh, internet were becoming smarter and better educated. And in many cases, better educated than the person trying to sell them the product. So they had to change, they had to change the, the way they sold and they had to provide more value and try to find ways to convince somebody why it was worth their while to buy from them rather than drive 20 minutes to the other dealership and get the exact same product. I'll tell you, uh, and I want Mitch to to speak a little bit here, and we'll talk about your business. And um, I do want to talk a little bit about value, whether you're selling coaching services or or automotive or real estate or whatever. And uh, also want to kind of dig into um, the coaching side of things because I think you know having a a good coach, whether it's for a team, a business, or or whatever is super important. But if you think back, I predate both of you in the automotive business. I started before you guys did. And I started at one of the larger dealerships in the country, Aaron Park. Um, Well, actually, I started at Oakville Toyota. Uh, They fired me after two months. Uh, I was 20 years old. They didn't think I would be in it for the long run. I was a young, mouthy kid. Uh, with a lot of arrogance, and um, they they said, you're not a fit here, bye. Uh, the same day, I went to Aaron Park, Toyota. And I think I fired because you kicked the owner's dog. That's not why I got fired, but that, I probably, that probably played a factor. The dog literally every morning used to come into my office and take a piss 
and I would have to clean it up every morning. And finally, I got pissed. And I love dogs, right? But it was a little Shih Tzu. And uh, he came in, pissed on the floor. It was tiled floor. And at the end of the hallway was the owner's um, office. And I just, you know, kind of with the side of my foot, gave him a nice hard tap on his butt, and it slid the dog right into the owner's office. And the owner popped his head out like, what the hell just happened to my dog? And meanwhile, he sees me there wiping up the dog piss. I think he he's two and two together. Anyways, the same day I walked into Aaron Park Toyota. And um, at that time, I was good looking and had hair. And uh, the receptionist took a, took a liking to me and got me an interview right away. And I met with the sales manager and the general sales manager back to back within 20 minutes and an hour later i was given a job this was on a friday to start on the monday and that's really where i started my automotive career and from there you know i quickly got promoted through the ranks there and then um was recruited into milton toyota and their organization but the story is here that when when i was on the sales floor at aaron park toyota there was literally not a single computer in any of the offices. None of us had laptops and our cell phones at the time were, you know, they weren't smartphones or anything. You could send the most basic text message after pressing like, you know, if you needed the letter C, you press the number two, three times kind of thing. You remember that? Um, but all of the... So none of the big manufacturers had websites yet. So Toyota.ca... If it did exist, it was useless. And as a consumer, you could not go anywhere to get a price on a vehicle. And certainly, if you could get a price, you couldn't get a, a quote. And that's when leasing just really started. So if you were a customer and you wanted to keep your payments down, you didn't want to finance, you wanted to lease, the dealership was making, making up payments. You would go to the sales manager. The sales manager is the only one that had a computer and would punch it into the back end system and say, okay, this, this Toyota Camry uh, at uh, the suggested retail price is $499 plus tax on your lease. And then salespeople were going to the consumer and saying, okay, Adrian, uh, the Camry that we drove and that you'd like to take home today is $599 plus tax on, on your lease. Does that sound? Sound good? You ready to go? Well, and that's when we entered the industry and it started to change a bit because people started to get a little bit more familiar with what actually happens and what's right and what's wrong. That's what the, the okay. whole stigma of the sleazy salesman. But uh, Mitch, so tell us how, like, I want to know, and I mentioned to you earlier, your origin story, like how, where did you start? We grew up on the same street together for many years. Yeah. So where did you start and how, uh, started, how did you end up where you are? I was going somewhere with that story, by the way. But I was, uh, yeah, that's fine. Like it was just it, a so. long story. So, I want to hear from Mitch. <laughs> We're just going to go to Mitch. There you go. I started uh, like Ariel. I started in Wash Bay, though, at uh, Gary Stocky Chevrolet Cadillac. And they fired me because I was driving cars without a license. I was supposed to ask the older guys to bring it in for me to wash them. And I was too proud. So until I, I got fired until I got my license and came back and then climbed the ranks from like a uh, lot kid and lube tech service writer. And I was a service writer for a lot of years before I switched to sales. 
And uh, that was a good switch. How did, so how did you get into the whole uh, coaching specifically? Um, coaching was one of those things as I went. So the book started as a brochure. I was already managing. I was bringing people into the industry from other industries and I was training them. And I was like, it's the same routine of training. So why can't I format this into a brochure? So I started the brochure. Um, when you start, read this, you'll be off the races with the basic fundamentals at least. And then it just kept going and it formulated into a full book. And then it was working. And then the coach and consulting side of it came to be as I was doing it for free. I was getting people from sales to sales management. I was putting them into jobs. I was helping them how to sell more trucks. Wherever they were failing, they were just calling me. And I was like, this is probably a way that I could monetize this since I'm doing it for free anyway. Right. Well, it's interesting because I, Ariel and I've talked about this, actually, I think even on the last podcast, and that is that people dread, specifically with real estate, they dread the process of interviewing and finding somebody to represent them. And for me with buying cars, I, I hate car shopping because perhaps part of it is because I came from the industry. So I have higher expectations of people, maybe. But I've never had a, nobody has ever impressed me in that industry. It's disappointing. Oh, that's, that, that's kind of where I was going with my story about the payments because everything to me and and you specifically adrian know this and we've talked about this the automotive industry and the real estate industry are so similar with different products and usually the salespeople selling cars could become good realtors and vice versa um I got a call. I didn't put, I'm off today, man. I didn't put my phone on airplane mode. Anyways. um, Again, it goes back to value, right? Like, are you just going to try and sell me your product? Are you going to be, you know, you're going to make a friend and provide me value and understand the features and the benefits of the product that you're selling first. And then, you know, what does that mean to me? And, Am I going to like you or are you going to just be, you know, there to make a commission and, and move on? And that's why people have bad experiences in a lot of uh, automotive dealerships because they bring salespeople on board. You know, like Mitch said, they don't get trained or don't get trained properly. And the only thing in their mind is dollar signs, right? Like, how do I sell you this car? And I don't even know. That's right. Well, I, well, and I think it's more than just a salesperson that what Mitch mentioned earlier about how you were involved is from a management position. There was a recent two incidents that stood out for me when shopping for cars. One was recently I was looking at trucks and the salesperson, it was a terrible experience from that perspective. So I would never buy from them. Uh, subsequently, I got an email from the manager asking how my experience was. So I replied and I took the time to write a pretty detailed uh respectful email back and I never heard from him. And that was at least, uh, at least a month ago. Brutal. Yeah. So I was, I was blown away that I wouldn't get some sort of response from the manager. Well, you know what I would do if I were you is I would take that 
email that you sent and I would print it and I would physically snail mail it to the dealer Yeah, with a letterhead that says, I used to be in the car business and I thought you should know this is happening, but I never got a response to this email. Yeah. It, it makes well, me cringe all the way through. I mean, these managers absolutely. are just maintaining businesses. They're not growing the business. They're, they're not invested. They're, it's tough. So what do you, Mitch, from your perspective uh, in training people, like where do you see um, from a salesperson's side of things? Uh, how, like, what is the biggest fault or the biggest miss or the biggest area of opportunity for them? Each individual is different and they're in different stages and I do all provinces. So they're all like wild west is still formulate some numbers. I can't paint them all with the same brush, but they're still wild, wild west, shoot from the hip, four square, make up some numbers and then go from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's follow-up. There's not basic routines, like fundamental routines. It's, Go to work, sit behind your desk, work for maybe an hour out of the eight. Hopefully someone lands in your lap and wait for the front door to open. And yeah. hopefully you get a couple of email leads that day. And it's like, that's not going to be a winning recipe. Yeah. I think in our industry, in real estate, I think they're, one of the messages that's really important for us to try to convey to people is the value of having a true professional salesperson representing them. Because... Ariel and I see it all the time where when you're negotiating the sale price of a, even a $500,000 home, let alone a million plus home, the ability of a salesperson to know how to negotiate um, and you know, when to go back and ask for more money and when there's money still on the table and how to, how to get that is, you know, people are out there trying to uh, convince their real estate agents to reduce their commission by, you know, half a percent or whatever to save a few thousand bucks. Meanwhile, they don't see, the, the, it's hard for a lot of people to see the big picture in terms of what they're losing in the end by not having somebody that can negotiate like that. Work ethic across the board is, is failing really poorly. An example, I'll keep it all anonymous. People close to me wanted to put up their house for sale, called the realtor, suggested it, and he shrugged it off and said, meh. Then they proceeded to persist and said, we're selling our house. We need you to do this. And then he decided to get engaged and active. Then they wanted him to do where multiple offers came in, but he was taking phone calls of people wanting to give offers and he still wasn't asking what they wanted. And he was like, nope, just Thursday is the offer date. And it's like, there's other ways to go about this. It just seems like missed opportunity and work ethic is, is really down. Yeah. Oh, for sure it is. Well, in our, in real estate, one of the areas we see it is similar to that where uh, an offer, let's say a house is on the market for a week, offer comes in, there's often very little effort from the, the salesperson representing the seller to try to negotiate or try to drum up additional interest from people that have already been through the house. And in many cases in our experience, we're not even called if we were people that viewed the home and then we find out subsequently it sells. So it's, uh, and they leave a lot of money on the table. The worst, that's the worst thing I see is money's being left the crumbs. I mean, all the crumbs are on the table. You can make a whole pie with them. It's unfortunate. Tell you a quick story that's probably more relevant to your business uh, now, Mitch. And it's something that I thought about back in and tried to implement in, um, in our dealerships back in the day. 
But I recently took my wife's vehicle in for service. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm walking, I'm, I'm waiting for the service advisor to, um, to free up so I can have a quick chat with him. While I'm waiting, I decided to walk around the showroom. This is a showroom that I'm familiar with. And I decided to walk around, see who's there, see what cars are in the showroom. You know, um, no, nobody's in there, no clients whatsoever, no customers, right? It's, it's a, um, either on a virtual appointment basis or uh, the dealerships are allowed to sell by appointment only. You can't just have walk-in walk -in traffic, right? Um, but the service department continuously had the door opening and closing with people coming in and out. And my wife's vehicle has 32,000 kilometers on it. It's a 2017 highly desirable vehicle in the resale in the used uh, market. It's a, it's a Sienna all wheel drive, top of the line van. Can't find it on the used market. Used vehicles are extremely hard to get right now. Prices are through the roof with used vehicles. And I'm thinking, you know, my showroom is closed. I don't have the walk-in traffic. But the service department has got all this traffic of existing clients that are coming through with the product that I cannot find at the auctions or whatever. And as I'm walking through the showroom, I see all these salespeople just sitting at their desk, you know, typing emails one finger at a time. And I'm like, holy crap, get your fat ass out into the service department appraise some of these vehicles that are going through the service department, pick up the phone and say, hey, Mitch, I noticed your Camry's in for service and you've only got 30,000 kilometers on it. I actually have a buyer that's looking for a used vehicle just like yours. I had the opportunity of having my used car manager appraise it. And did you know I can actually put you into a 2021 Camry fully loaded for less money than you're paying for right now would you like to drive home a brand new car instead of driving home your used vehicle and I'll take care of your service bill today? I think Mitch is saying, finally, somebody gets it. <laughs> Holy crap. Do you know how many deals like that right now should be going through every single dealership? Like, it's ridiculous. I have no intention of being a coach, Mitch, in your industry, but I don't know. I think you should be working with, I don't know what you're, uh, business model exactly is or is going to be it'll probably evolve but if you can deliver messages like that to the dealer principals and say hey i need to work with your sales managers to deliver these messages to the salespeople, and i will work with you for the next month to keep them accountable and you're going to pay me thirty thousand bucks a month to do that but i'm going to return to you seventy thousand dollars in additional gross this month uh, here's my guarantee. If I don't live up to my guarantee, I'll only do it for 25% of that price. Um, I'm telling you, the dealership I, uh, you know, we worked at, all three of us, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of cars going through that service shop. And I spoke to the owner who hap happens to be a client of ours now, and uh, they cannot get enough used vehicles to purchase. And I'm like, they're right there. 
in your service shop. What are you waiting for? Well, that's that's where the point that you said, Mitch, the the drive, the hustle, the work ethic, it's got to be there in any industry, whether you're selling cars, servicing cars, selling real estate, whatever. If you don't have the drive, the hustle, and you don't have the mentorship or the coaching to enable you to think that way, then then you're done. Get out of sales. Go. If you're going to sell, sell some shoes or something. I don't know. It's the higher percentage shot. They trust your brand. They like your store. They probably don't have a salesperson that's still there. Um, I Certainly not one that follows up with them. (laughs) No, definitely not. 30 people a day on average in your average service department. So, I mean, that's about 600 a month. And in Alberta, I pulled the desk right up to a service department. I have a process exactly uh, tailored to that. And uh, I find a way to incorporate maintenance and repairs into your cost of driving. Instead of looking at your current investment, we add that into it. So it covers a little bit of the equity. And uh, I make sure those calls are made the day before you come in from a service customer. That's something I attack. That's my bread and butter, the untapped gold mine of service. Yeah. Well, and talk about incentive opportunity. They're there, they're there waiting for a bill that they have to pay. Fine. That's an easy way to entice them to consider not having to pay their bill. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, but in the automotive industry, and we're talking a little bit more in depth about it, I guess, than we, I don't know. I don't know how many of our listeners care about this part of the conversation, but the three of us, that's our background. So, so you have no choice. Keep listening. By the way, if you're still listening, it means you like what we're saying. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, but it's it's that circle because, and it's similar to real estate, and I'll t- chat about that in a sec, but um, if you're coming in for service and you're that repeat client and whatever, now all of a sudden you are giving, let, let's say that process works and, and they go home with a new vehicle instead of going home with that vehicle that was in service. Now that vehicle that was in service ends up on your used vehicle lot, which is a very desirable vehicle because it was purchased and maintained or at least maintained at that dealership. And now you add a new customer to that database, a brand new client has just been added. So that was free advertising essentially, because you just added the product that you didn't have to go out and pay to get. And, you know, so in, in the real estate world, it's not, very different because you've got lease clients, right? Like we take on uh, properties for lease uh, all the time, whether it's um, somebody that's just become a landlord or or did it for investment purposes or whatever, but we lease out properties all the time and we lose money on them. We will spend way more time than people understand uh, and literally make Oftentimes, we'll actually lose money, literally lose money on that transaction. Um, But you add another client to your database, and eventually they are going to sell that home, right? Or they're going to take the equity from that home and reinvest it into another home. And it's all about the customer service. And it's all about understanding what the client actually needs and wants in, in the process. And I think a lot of industries miss out on that. It totally loops right back to where you started about value. Okay, uh, let me build the same process, do the same steps, keep my iron sharp, 
At the same time, I'm building a client that may give a referral. I may make money this time around, or I might knock it out of the park on the next time around. But at least I have the opportunity and I stayed by, kept my skills at top level. Uh, we never answered the question. When was it that you joined the dealership with Adrian and I? Was it 2009? Uh, I'm not very good at these dates. I'd have to look back at, uh, but it probably in and around there. I believe I was in Victoria in 2010 or 11. So it could have been around 09. And since that time, you know, obviously you've gone on to do bigger and better things because you joined as a product advisor back then. What, as, as you matured, as you grew as a salesperson, as you got older, as you, you know, got in front of more training, worked with more managers and coaches, uh, what is your mindset now compared to what it was then? Um, because I remember you being a, a really good salesperson, good with, Customers uh, understood that you had to deliver value. Um, where is your mindset now? And how do you deliver that story, that message? Because you've gone through it and now you're training others to do it. So how do you deliver that message of here's my story and here's what I learned kind of thing? Uh, I try to keep it relevant to today and the market and how it works and what doesn't work. And I'll let the... I'll let the sales team crack a few eggs to make the omelet um, just to get the point that the kettle's hot sometimes and you shouldn't touch it. But other than that, I believe that I'm the, the, the mindset is the ego's different. I'm now more humble, um, not as arrogant and um, more patient listening as well as uh, that I work for the sales team and they don't work for me. Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, and I think salespeople in general just have to be humble, right? Like the the ones that I'll give you an example. When I when I went to buy my my BMW, um I decided to I I knew I was gonna buy it, but I said uh before I sign on the dotted line, I need to see the comparable vehicles just to for my peace of mind to make sure that. I'm getting the vehicle that I'm going to be happy with. And I went to the Porsche store in Oakville. And I was driving a rental car because my car was written off. And I walked in. So I pulled up in this, whatever it was, a Ford Focus or something like that. And I was on my off time and was lazy that morning and, and just wore a regular t-shirt and some shorts and flip-flops. I'm drooling and, already over here. I see a rental pull up and a guy come in with free time. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Must have money, I guess. Um, and I walked into the store and there was really nobody around. So this was like almost two years ago now. And the salesperson walks up to me and his suit cost more than the car that I drove in on, right? Uh, the like really sharply dressed, but over the top. His Ferragamo shoes cost more than my whole wardrobe. And uh, I said, uh, I told him why I was there. And he said, oh, this is, this is better than the X5. 
the Porsche, uh, what's their SUV, the Cayenne or whatever. He said, this, this is better than the X5. You drive it and, and you'll see why. I said, okay, if you say so, let's go for a drive. Uh, didn't even ask me any kind of qualifying questions or rapport building, didn't ask what I do for a living, nothing. Let's just go out for a drive. Okay, let's go out for a drive. I was underwhelmed. I, you know, it's a very expensive SUV. I always thought, wow, the Porsche SUV is so nice and it must be quick and comfortable and all this. And I was totally underwhelmed. And when we got back, uh, he said, so, so what do you think? And I said, well, kind of underwhelmed. I, I still like the X5 better. And he's, he looked at me and gave me like a face of disgust. And he said, well, I guess you're just going to have to spend more money and go up to the, to the turbo model. And then I said, at this well, point, I'm, had he built any value in the vehicle? Nothing, nothing, zero. Nothing, zero, absolutely. He just kept on talking about all the packages that were available and how much those packages cost. <laughs> and then the said, Porsche will sell itself and then terms and conditions are agreeable. We can buy today. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I said, well, then you're going to have to upgrade to the turbo. And I said, well, how much does that cost? And he said, whatever it was, 157000 or something like that. And I said, there's... No offense, but there's no way I'm spending $157,000 on a vehicle. And and then he asked me, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, I said, you know what? This is probably not going to work. I, uh, I, I made a mistake uh, wasting my time, your time today. I really apologize. Thank, thank you anyways. Uh, and, and I left. I, I literally ended the conversation, didn't, didn't respond to him what I do for a living. He doesn't know, like who I am, how much I make, whatever, right? Like he just prejudged and uh, found it, he found it offensive that I didn't like the vehicle. All right, well, there you go. Somebody easily, because I've always admired those vehicles, always. Uh, I had the Volkswagen Tourag, which is the lower class version of that, and I really enjoyed it. If he wanted to, I was prepared to spend the money and he could have upgraded me into that turbo model. I could have been a sucker. Um, but no, no rapport building, no salesmanship, you know, didn't, didn't tell me anything about, you know, the, the vehicle and, and whatnot. And then when he asked me after I said, I'm not spending that kind of money on a vehicle, what do you do for a living? I was out. Peace. He's groovy, buddy. That's funny. But, I had a similar experience with the last salesperson I went to see at that same dealership I was talking about and he literally did nothing. He just pulled up a car, let me drive it. He didn't tell me anything about it. I had to like force information out of him. Uh, like information that was, I would say for that particular model year of that vehicle was like this big changes and things that people want to know about. And the, it just drove me crazy. I couldn't believe it. Well, my then, tip for my tip for anybody selling anything in this current state of the world and current marketplace, if you are going to sell a product, you have to know more about the product than your potential customer. <laughs> and the problem is with information that's available at the fingertips of everybody these days, between YouTube and websites, it's very easy for a consumer to go on and spend a few hours a week over the course of a couple of weeks 
and know everything about that product inside and out. And if you're the salesperson selling that product and you know less than me as the consumer, I have zero faith or zero confidence in your ability and I have lost all of my trust and I'm just going to probably go online and do something where it says, okay, buy now, book now. I'd rather pay more clicking myself and, and doing it, which is actually interesting that I say this now because we've had discussions about selling real estate and having listings where we have a website. People are going to go on, just click, 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 and book now and don't have to deal with a realtor at all. Um, and I think the automotive industry, well, Tesla already does it. It's already there. It's already there. Yeah. There's a new company, not new company, company Canada Drives. You submit in your credit app and then a car shows up at your driveway without ever meeting a sales guy. Well, there you go, Adrian. That's the way to go for you. <laughs> Sounds good. But to that point, I think and tying I think it back. Overcomplicating it. Oh, 100%. Well, a lot of people talk <laughs> themselves out of a deal. A car, I want to sell a car. Let's work together. Yeah. Well, and tying that conversation back to real estate at real for a second about, especially on a vehicle product that you probably could have very easily been sold on. I've had that same experience where it's like, you're just dying for somebody to spend a little bit of time and convince you that you're making the right decision. It's in real estate. It's the same mentality of people who think you could just put a sign in the lawn versus actually taking the time to convey the value of all the features and, and convince somebody that it's the right product to buy and that it's worth the money you're asking. If you don't do that, you're losing customers in any industry. Build the total mental ownership of where you can see your family grow up here, paint the picture for them, make them see what they don't see yet or, you know, what it could be. And absolutely. Exactly. Build the value. Yeah. 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 Like I, I was looking at pickup trucks and, you know, he didn't even ask, well, why do you want to go from a four door sporty sedan to a pickup truck? I, you know, he very easily could have got me envisioning myself towing a, a boat or something and being like, Oh damn, I need that truck now. You know, like it would not have been very difficult. I'm You've an been easy mentioning sell. a boat a lot lately. Are you, are you jealous I that know. Chris bought a boat and want to buy a boat now? Uh, as long as I have a friend with a boat, I'm okay for a little bit, at least one season. <laughs> yeah. Well, well maybe, uh, maybe the KT team should, uh, invest in a boat for uh, client events there you go we can it's a good idea be a tax tax deduction right yeah congratulations on all that growth with the kt team guys it's nice to see chris on board and then the new additions always coming on it's growing fast so you guys have done well appreciate it thanks mitch yeah. thank you we're Before uh, we get going um sorry what were you gonna say i was just gonna say you know we're we're humbled and and proud of uh the the achievements and, but certainly all of our teammates are the ones that, um, you know, keep us growing because Adrian and I could only take it so far, which was quite far, uh, the two of us, but without everybody else's hands in the pot, um, you know, we couldn't make the stew. And, uh, I, I, I feel, and I know Adrian feels the same way, uh, in this whole pandemic throughout the whole time, we've been an essential service. And with the exception of shutting down business for about six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was last year, uh, we've been full tilt and as busy as we've ever been. And, you know, it's, it's growth over growth over growth month after month, not only sales wise, but people wise. And the people we're bringing in are such high quality people, um, that, 
you know, we're going to be, I, I'm really excited for the future for, for this team. So uh, thanks for that shout out, Mitch. With, with all luck this year, we might end up, uh, it, it looks like we have a good shot at ending up in a top 21 position in the world. Um, and uh, that's super exciting to me. So anyway, sorry. Well done. It's all mindset. It, it comes down to mindset. You can grow in the fetal position and say, I'm not going to go. It's a pandemic. Or you go hunting and you get that business. It's out there. Just grab it. Absolutely. Oh, we, was, there was a, a realtor that posted a video at the beginning of everything saying, basically, he took that position. And he was saying, oh, I went through this in 2008. It's going to take three years. It's not going to be busy. And we're not, you know, it's not the time to buy. And in the meantime, it was a record year for many. So anyways, I, we appreciate your time, Mitch. Thank you for coming on. Uh, for those who may have just been first introduced to you through this podcast, uh, where can they connect with you best? um online and what would you suggest for at people that mitch might be looking g. for help james, in the automotive industry uh, instagram so at mitch g james instagram mitch james on facebook and mitchell james on linkedin um and then the mjway.com is is the main website cool so for all of our uh, followers who have been following us since our automotive days there you go this is the guy Thanks for uh, you know, guys. Appreciate it. Before we wrap it up, I'm just gonna say if if you're listening and you sell any product that's not a car or real estate, you sell clothing, you sell shoes, you sell uh, cell phones, because there's so many salespeople, especially younger people. There's so many salespeople out there that are good salespeople, that are good with people, and they need a little coaching, a little guidance. You can definitely make more money selling cars than you can any other product. And then if you're selling cars and you're watching because you're listening to Mitch here, uh, you can definitely make more money selling real estate than you can cars. So it's a natural progression. Uh, I went from selling shoes to selling cars to selling real estate, uh, you know, but Mitch, I'm proud of you. Uh, nice to see you after all these years. It's nice to see your growth. I think, uh, and I've, you know, since Adrian said that we're going to have you on, I went on to your LinkedIn. I watched some of your videos. Your Instagram's looking nice. I like that you got, you got my old school whiteboard there and you're uh, doing some great sessions. Uh, so if you are an automotive dealer or in the business, uh, give Mitch a shout because he knows what he's talking about. He can definitely help. Uh, grow your sales, grow your team. Um, and I think Adrian is going to wrap it up. So thanks, uh, Mitch. Thanks, Adrian. And uh, that's episode 131 of KT Confidential.